Welcome to An Honorable Profession, a podcast giving America hope since 2018. I'm Ryan Coonerty. Along with Debbie Cox Bolton of the New Deal, I'm lucky enough to be your co-host. An Honorable Profession is a New Deal Leaders podcast. The New Deal is an organization that supports the next generation of American leaders. From attorneys generals, to state senators, to mayors, to school board members, these are the people that are pushing policies and politics that will respond to climate change, rebuild our economy, address racial injustice, and restore our democracy. These are incredibly talented people who have dedicated themselves to public service when their country and their communities need it the most. Check out NewDealLeaders.org to see what I'm talking about. Senator Ramesh Akberi, welcome to An Honorable Profession. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Happy to be with you again. So as I said to Councilmember Liz Brown, we had you on before and we've talked about all kinds of amazing, innovative work that you're doing around Tennessee to serve your community and serve your state. Unfortunately, we're talking today in the wake of a terrible decision by the Supreme Court, undoing 50 years of precedent and invalidating Roe v. Wade and the protections it provided to women all across this country. And so I really wanna focus today, unfortunately not on the progress that we're making, but on mitigating the damage that we're seeing in so many places, but particularly you could see in your community and your state going forward. In the wake of this decision, can you talk a little bit about what the feeling is on the ground in Tennessee right now as you reckon with this decision? Well, I think people are devastated. I think we we knew it was coming, but hoped that it wouldn't. And to see it in print and to know that Tennessee is one of those states where a woman's right to choose will disappear pretty quickly is, is absolutely devastating. We've lived most of us have lived the majority of our lives with this decision being the law of the land. And now to know that women will not have this protection, this right to privacy, this to control over their own bodies. I mean, people are, they're furious, but they're also incredibly sad. And can you talk a little bit about, I think we all are aware that this will have disproportionate impacts on women of color and people with less means. Can you talk about what it means for the women of Tennessee who are in that position and sort of what you're hearing? Yes, so Tennessee is one of those states. In 2019, the majority party passed legislation that upon the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, within 30 days, abortion would be outlawed in the state. Additionally, we have a six-week abortion ban that had been enjoined because it was unconstitutional. And our attorney general is now has filed a motion to have that injunction overturned so that they can immediately ban abortion at six weeks. So it's going to be incredibly difficult for women across the state of Tennessee. Memphis borders Mississippi and Arkansas. We border eight states total as as a state of Tennessee. And women are going to have to travel to other states, the closest state that will allow abortion still is Illinois. And it's going to be at minimum, at least from from my district, two and a half hours. And that is going to make it very difficult for those who have to work, who don't have the means to travel, to be able to have these, these reproductive services. I'm on the board of a reproductive health organization called Choices. 
And they said within the few hours after the decision, they'd received 5,000 calls, people who were concerned about being able to receive services. Wow. I mean, you are in a very difficult position because you are elected to represent and advocate for your community. But as you mentioned, you're in the minority party. Is there anything that can be done at the state or even at the local level to protect women in your community? So not just a minority, the super minority. So it's very difficult to pass legislation and certainly to overcome the uh, barrier that the Supreme Court has now placed by giving states control of these types of regulations. For us, we're focusing on raising money for organizations that are allowing are providing these services and will take women to to Illinois to have it done. But we're also challenging our colleagues. Well, if you say you're pro-life, well, pro-life is from the womb to the tomb. So let's make sure that these mothers and these children have health care, that they have fully funded schools, that we have criminal justice reform, access to mental health care, and certainly some safe regulations around guns, given the high level of violence in our communities. So we're trying to challenge them, well, if you say that that this policy had to be passed to protect life, then you need to protect it all the way through. Absolutely. I, yeah, it's hypocrisy is stunning. First of all, for all of us in blue states where the the threat to choice is not imminent, can you talk a little bit about what we can do to support you and and women in Tennessee? How can we help? Well, I mean, we do have people who are running for office across the state who are pro-choice, who believe that women should have control over their own bodies. Um, it's still going to be a difficult list of candidates. We've kind of been focusing on reproductive organizations. Like I said, there's an organization in Memphis called Choices Memphis, and they have a location in Illinois. They knew this was coming. They have a location in Illinois in Carbondale, so they're setting up a pipeline so that women from Memphis can immediately continue to have those services. That's really what we're, we're leaning into is support these reproductive organizations, support Planned Parenthood, support some of these organizations that are going to, from a national perspective, help people continue to receive these services. But at the end of the day, the federal government is going to have to act. They're the only ones that can save states like Tennessee and states across the South where abortion has either been automatically outlawed or will be in the coming weeks. Shocking that clinics in your community are having to do this kind of, create these sort of arrangements. So this is memphischoices.org for anyone who wants to contribute. And then certainly candidates in Tennessee. Do you feel like this could possibly mobilize constituencies to understand how important all elections, but potentially state legislative elections are and that that it may help change the balance, political power balance in, in places like Tennessee? I really hope that it does. Tennessee is one of those states where we have a little ways to go because the difference between the majority and minority is so significant and our districts are so gerrymandered. However, we do have ongoing litigation to try and rectify or create some sort of equity there, but it's gonna be difficult. But I, I do hope that in states like Georgia and in Texas, where you have an people at the on the top of the ballot in the governor's office in the governor's race where you can have a candidate that is pro-choice and who believes that that these reproductive rights 
our healthcare rights. They're not just just about abortions. It's about healthcare. So I think supporting those folks, I hope this is a great awakening, though. Elections have consequences. When people sat out in the 2016 election, they gave someone who did not necessarily represent their values the opportunity to appoint a significant amount of Supreme Court justices. And that's what we're seeing reflected in these latest decisions from the the decision around Miranda rights to the handgun bill out of New York. You're seeing this this political viewpoints like seeping through the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is not supposed to be blue or black. There's supposed to be black robes, but we're seeing that it's it's blue or red. We're seeing these red conservative values being pushed from our highest court. Absolutely. I tell my pre-law students that the number one reason you elect a president is to pick Supreme Court justices. The number two reason is to pick Supreme Court justices. Mm-hmm. The number three reason is to protect, protect Supreme Court justices. And the fourth reason is because they can launch nuclear war. <laughs> you got to be aware. And I guess, I mean, I want to ask, you are an attorney. There's a substantive issue and a health issue that comes with this, but there's also a real issue with the value of precedent and the standing of our of law. Can you talk a little bit about what you see as a as a as an attorney in terms of this precedent? You know, I see this as just a major crack in our democracy. We've kind of seen it the last couple of years, certainly a major crack on January the 6th. But when you have court decisions that have been the established law of the land and I mean, you're overturning something so significant And especially you look at the rationalization from those who wrote the opinion, it's just not, it doesn't align to me with anything where it would be appropriate to reverse almost 50 plus years of of the decided law of the land. So to me, it, it cheapens the Supreme Court. It certainly devalues how people view it. And I think it creates a a great deal of resentment. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's scary if you look at Justice Thomas's opinion for the implications for so many other rights that are that are now at risk and people need to be aware. Can you talk about you? As you mentioned, you have challenged your colleagues to say if you are pro-life, that has more implications than simply around abortion and you push for adoption and foster care reform. How is that going as you try to address true pro-child policies? Well, I think we'll certainly have some things ready for them in January when the legislature resumes. We have major issues with our Department of Children's Services, children who are in custody, not receiving the care that they need, uh, running away, being housed in office buildings. So we have a lot of work that that needs to be done. Reviewing and um, overturning restrictions around LGBTQ couples being able to adopt children I mean, foster care and adoption in Tennessee needs a serious look because my colleagues have all said, well, that's that's what we suggest you do instead. And so now is the time to make sure that those programs are truly supportive and that they're providing the children the care that they need and not just some sort of political talking point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything else that that you want our New Deal listeners to know? You've been an amazing voice, not only in your state, but for all of us New Deal leaders as someone we all admire and follow. Is there anything else that we need to know, both on this issue or other issues, of how we can support your efforts? Well, certainly. I mean, what's always kind of pressed on me is that our democracy is only as strong as 
how we take care of our people and our domestic policies. And we cannot hold ourselves out as this, you know, beacon of freedom to other countries when we are taking away the rights of so many. So I would just encourage new dealers, one, think about what you can do in your own states and certainly think about how we can address this on a federal issue because our federal government has to act to enshrine these types of rights into federal law so that you won't leave it up to states so you have this ununiform patchwork of rights. So if you're in one state, you can you know, have gay marriage. If you're in another state, you'll be able to receive these type of reproductive services because it's coming. Clarence Thomas certainly indicated that he was interested in looking in several different landmark decisions that have granted rights to people across this country. Couldn't agree more. Senator Ackberry, thank you for all you do. Thank you for being a New Deal leader and thank you for being on the on the tip of the spear of this fight on the ground where it will impact your community and so many others across this country. For sure. We got to keep fighting and we can't lose hope. <laughs> Thank you. We will We will all do our best. It was wonderful talking to you today. You too. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to An Honorable Profession. Please subscribe to hear more amazing leaders and keep asking your elected officials to be honorable. Boots Road Group produces podcasts. I'm Ryan Coonerty, and because we keep things honorable, no tax dollars were used in the making of this podcast.